anything I need to pray for y'all or something this morning. Something's happening. You're all a little bit rowdy. Something's happening. A little bit of talk back happening. Uh, good morning. It's good to be here with y'all this morning. Good to have everybody here. And um, it's good to see your faces. So last week, um, if you remember last week's message, maybe you do, maybe you don't, we started uh, by reading a scripture where Jesus was talking uh, to a man named Levi or Matthew. Um, and uh, Levi, he called Levi, or Matthew, to follow him. And Levi did follow him. He responded by following him. And then he threw Jesus a party. And, uh, and who was invited to that party uh, but a whole lot of tax collectors and sinners um, because that's what tax collectors were known as and because Matthew or Levi, whatever you want to call him, was a tax collector himself, right? So he had a lot of friends who would have been tax collectors. Um, and so we talked about that. Well, today I want to talk about another tax collector, um, a man by the name of Zacchaeus. Uh, Zacchaeus was uh, a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Um, no, Zacchaeus' story is um, pretty familiar to probably to most of us, but I think it's worth another look this morning. So I want to go ahead. I just want to read the scripture. Uh, so going into Luke chapter 19, right? Luke chapter 19, Jesus has entered into Jericho and is now passing through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, where he will be arrested and crucified. Um, all of that is about to happen. The first uh, encounter we have with the tax collector, we talked about last week, was Luke 6, beginning of Jesus' ministry. This encounter with the tax collector is at the end of Jesus' ministry. All right. So Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was, and he was unable to do due to the crowd because he was short in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree in order to see him because he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and he came down and he received him joyfully. When the people saw this, they all began to complain, saying, He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. But Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I am giving to the poor, and if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'm giving back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today's salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. All right. It's a familiar story, right? Um, if you've been to Sunday school as a kid, uh, you've heard this story. If you've been to Bible school as a kid, you probably heard this story. Um, and you got the song at least, right? Um, and it's a, good, it's a good story. It's an easy story, kind of wraps up nicely um, for us to see the love of Jesus reaching out to people uh, who would otherwise not be invited, right? Reaching out to the tax collector. Um, and I don't need to go into a whole lot of detail about the whole tax collector thing, right? We talk about that. We know about that. Uh, tax collectors, I just said I'm not going to, but I'm going to. Tax collectors were hated and reviled. They were uh, bottom of the barrel, right? Uh, and we see that once again in this story. This is a tax collector who is considered to be on the level of a sinner, right? Like they, they just call him a sinner. Tax collectors and sinners. That whole phrasing, it just kind of always goes together, right, in Scripture. 
Now, what I find interesting in this story is that when I first read or I heard this story, I was under the impression that Zacchaeus shimmied up the sycamore tree because he knew Jesus was coming, right? He knew Jesus was coming, and he had to get a a glimpse of this, like, incredible phenomenon. He wanted to see, like, this is my only chance. He's passing through. I got to get up, and I got to see him. It's kind of like if we were to see, like, the president of the United States was to drive through, right? doesn't matter which president. Pick one. But if the president's rolling through town, people line the streets. Even if all they ever get to glimpse is, like, the motorcade, and they see the outside of the limo with darkened windows. They don't even get to see the president. They just want to watch, watch it go by, right? It's like, I got I to get a glimpse. I got to see this phenomenon. I know who's coming. It's the president, and I want to go see him. But people line up to see him all over. Um, and so, like, that's, that's kind of what I had in my mind with Zacchaeus. Like, Jesus is coming. I got to go, get a, I gotta go get, a, get, a, get a shot or get a view of this guy. Um, but what I noticed here is that the scripture says that Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was, but was unable to, so he climbed a tree. He climbed a tree to see who it was. That's interesting to me, right? That's very interesting because that little detail changes how I see this interaction as it plays out between Jesus and and Zacchaeus. If Zacchaeus knows who Jesus is, if he's heard of him and he's heard that he's coming this way and he climbs up a tree to get a glimpse, then I kind of see Zacchaeus as like a fan, right? He's a fan of Jesus. I've heard what this guy's teaching. I've seen him do these things and I'm a fan. I want to go see. It's like being a Swifty and and you want to go see Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift's coming through town, right? We got to go see Taylor Swift. So you're going to do everything you can to get a glimpse of Taylor Swift, right? You're going to climb on a car. You're going to get on your, get on the bench if you're short because you can't see all of those things. You got to see the swift. That's how I see this, this whole thing playing out, or that's how I saw this whole thing playing out with Zacchaeus. He knew Jesus. He knew Jesus was coming. He had to get a glimpse of this incredible man. And so he did what he had to do. He climbed up a tree to see him, right? But that's not what the scripture says. It says that there was a big crowd following someone. There was a big crowd. And Zacchaeus wanted to see who it was. Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. And so he climbed up a tree in order to get a glimpse of him. So I don't think Zacchaeus is a super fan who's hoping to get a two-second glimpse of Jesus. I think he's a curious bystander that doesn't really know what's going on. There's a crowd moving through town, and he wants to get a glimpse of, like, who is this? Who is getting all of this attention? Um, And so he climbs up this tree. So So then I ask the question, well, does Zacchaeus even know who Jesus is? Like, does he even know when Jesus stops at the base of the street, does he even know who is talking to him? Um, and I don't know, right? I mean, I, he, he knows this guy's a big deal uh, in some way. But to know that he is Jesus of Nazareth, who has been performing miracles and teaching in synagogues, I don't know. And I think this, this unfamiliarity intrigues me as I read this story. If Zacchaeus knew who Jesus was, that he was a Jewish religious teacher, knowing his previous encounters with religious teachers, the religious elite, do you think he would have shimmied back down in a hurry and welcomed him with joy? Like, think about it. Last week, 
when we talked about Matthew, what was, what was the Pharisee's response to a tax collector, right? They didn't want anything to do with tax collectors. They didn't want to, they, they didn't want to see him. They, they're, like this idea of tax collectors, these people are repulsive, right? They don't want anything to do with them. That would have been Zacchaeus' experience too with the religious elite, the religious teachers. Maybe even more so because he was a chief tax collector. So a religious teacher comes waltzing by and demands to stay at his house, right? If that's the way Zacchaeus sees it, that, that, well, that's not going to be a good situation with Zacchaeus. He's not going to hurry out of that tree and welcome him uh, gladly, right? So I don't know that Zacchaeus knows him yet. I don't know that he knows who he is. I think as far as he knows, this is just a famous man who wants a place to stay and for whatever reason, Zacchaeus got picked. In that moment, if Jesus, if Zacchaeus thought Jesus was a religious teacher, he might welcome him begrudgingly. He might welcome him guardedly, like, what does this guy want with me? But as it is, I think Zacchaeus is just happy to have somebody want him or need him. The rest of Zacchaeus' life is people telling him to go away. You're terrible. You're scum, right? How could you do this to your people? You're a traitor. That's Zacchaeus' whole life at this point. But now he's wanted. And not only is he wanted, he's wanted by this man who is getting all of this attention, who is following him, who is famous. Crowds are like pressing in so much that Zacchaeus can't even see who it is. And so he shimmies out of this this tree, right? This, this man wants him. This man needs him. And then something happens. Zacchaeus is all caught up in the joy of being wanted and having Jesus come be a, be a guest at his house. You know, how many, how many guests do you think Zacchaeus got at his house? It didn't happen, right? It didn't happen. So he's all caught up in the joy and then something happens. Then the people begin to complain. Some versions use the word grumble. Then the people began to grumble, saying, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And just like that, Zacchaeus' attitude changes. The people grumbled. Doesn't he know who that man is? He ought to. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. A sinner. That word sinner where would Zacchaeus have heard that word before? Would it have been from the Romans who he was collecting taxes for? No. Would it have been the Gentiles living in Jericho? No. He heard that word sinner from the religious Jews, from his own people. And I think it's in that moment that Zacchaeus realizes who Jesus is. Right? Maybe not by name, but he knows this man is famous and he's being followed because the people following him are religious people, right? And, the, and, and, and so he knows that Jesus is some sort of prophet. He's some sort of teacher. He, he, he's something, right? He's a holy man. And I just picture this scene. I see Zach so excited. Uh, he's so excited 
to, to have uh, the prospect of a guest, right? And not just any guest, this man, he's like, he's working it up. He's, he's this guy who's attracting all of this attention. He wants to be my guest. So he hurries down the tree. He, he gets excited. And of course, of course you can stay at my, of course you, I got, I got so much room. Like nobody ever comes. I got so much room. Come on, come over to my house. I'm rich. Man, I'll throw you the best feast. It's going to be the best time. Come on, come on. And I see him as he's like, I got so much to prepare, walking ahead. He's walking ahead of Jesus. And then he hears behind him, sinner. And Zacchaeus freezes. Sinner. I'm a sinner. That's only a problem that I'm a sinner if I'm around, if, if this guy's not supposed to be around sinners. So he's got to be a teacher. He's got to be a prophet. He's a religious man. Um, how, how can I salvage this? How can I, how can I, I, I know he is, who he is, but now he knows who I am. Um, how can I keep him? Right? How can I keep him? What do, I, what do I do that will convince him to still come stay at my house? Lord, I'll give half of my stuff. I'll give half of my stuff away, half of my fortune. And if I cheated anybody, I will give it all back with, with interest. Quadruple, four, four times the amount that I cheated if I cheated anybody. And Jesus says to Zac- Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save what was lost. When Jesus, or excuse me, when Zacchaeus interacted with Jesus, what he knew was that he was wanted and that he was needed by Jesus. And what was, his, what was Zacchaeus' response when all he understood that was that he was wanted? He received him joyfully. He received him joyfully. But when the religious crowd grumbled and told Zacchaeus who he was, that he was a sinner, he immediately goes to bargaining with Jesus to try and convince him to stay, to try and convince him to to come around. This is a pattern that I see over and over and over again. Think about it in the context of a new believer, okay? Somebody who has no background in church. They have no previous assumptions about what a relationship with Jesus is. They don't know who he is. They don't know what they're, quote, supposed to do or how this thing is supposed to go. All they know is that they have joy that they didn't have before. They know they're wanted by the king of the universe, that he gave his life for them, and now they're walking in relationship with him somehow. What is that? I don't even know what that means, but I know something's changed. I know something's different, and I get to live with God. All they know is that they're cared for and they're loved in some kind of understanding that led them to say, yes, Jesus, make me new. And then they hear it, the religious voices. Ideas of people who know better. People who've been in the game longer and have some sort of traditional understanding of how you should walk with Jesus. And all of a sudden, the attitude and the demeanor 
of, ha- of, of, of what used to be innocent joy, it changes to a groveling, desperate need to try to be something that Jesus doesn't want to turn away from. Don't you know you're still a sinner? And that person who is a new, born-again believer who has received the gift of saving grace in Jesus picks up the idea that somehow there's still something wrong. Somehow they don't belong in this relationship. Or there's something innately wrong with them that still separates them from the God who welcomed them in. He's the one who initiated it. He's the one who initiated the relationship, but now somehow they have to keep him interested in them because they're afraid when, they, when he sees that they've still got struggles and they've still got issues that at least they're trying real hard to make up for it. There was no thought from Zacchaeus that anything in his past might keep Jesus from wanting to stay at his house. There was no thought of trying to convince Jesus to stay with him because Jesus was the one who initiated it. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I want to stay at your house. I must stay at your house. But when he was told and reminded by the religious, who maybe weren't quite as dirty as him, that he was an unclean sinner, all of a sudden he had an understanding that Jesus couldn't or wouldn't want to be with him. So maybe if he did some things to convince Jesus, Lord, Lord, I'll give half my stuff. I'll give half my stuff, Lord. I'll give half my stuff. And four times if I cheated anybody. Lord, if you stay with me, I'll do anything. Lord, I know I don't deserve it. I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner. That's what everybody keeps telling me. I don't deserve it, but I'll give it all up. Just don't leave me. Jesus wanted to be with Zacchaeus before he promised any of that stuff. This is a pattern you can see all over the place. Maybe in some setting it's more than a pattern. It's a template (laughs) that this is how it should be done. We remind people of what sinners they are, and boy, look at the results coming out of that meeting. Right? Changed people, renewed vigor for God. Here's the turnaround in the story for me. Generally, we celebrate what Zacchaeus does. Look how serious he took this thing with Jesus, right? Look how seriously he took this invitation from Jesus. I mean, just one talk with Jesus and Zacchaeus is giving up half of his fortune. He's making up for all of his past sins times four. Look at that. It's amazing, right? It's amazing. But read the scripture. Jesus doesn't ask Zacchaeus to do this. Zacchaeus, give up half your belongings and I'll come stay at your house. He didn't say that. Zacchaeus, uh, you cheated some people. Pay it all back, sprinkle a little extra on top and, and then I'll be there, right? Didn't say that. 
You could try to make the argument that, no, Jesus never asked Zacchaeus to do this, but he's such a changed man by this one interaction that he turns his life around and he starts giving money instead of taking it. But that's not Zacchaeus' motivation at all. Zacchaeus is not motivated by a changed life. Zacchaeus is motivated by the fear of Jesus changing his mind. The giving of all that money and trying to make up for his sin is not because Zacchaeus is a changed man. It's because Zacchaeus still believes his sin is going to keep him from Jesus. And Zacchaeus so desperately wants to be welcomed into the presence of Jesus that he gives away almost uh, half or almost or almost all of his stuff because he thinks that that'll somehow show Jesus he's sorry and convince him to, to still be there. Zacchaeus isn't motivated by a changed life. He's motivated by fear of losing Jesus after being convinced by the religious that he's not worthy of him. And maybe the most difficult part of this to grasp is look at the results of what Zacchaeus does in the name of religion. Can you argue with those results? Man, he is a changed man. Look at how generous he is. Religion wants to look at works and measure results in order to determine how changed a person is. So it's hard to argue with religious effort because look at all the fruit that's happening. But the problem with that perspective is this isn't fruit. These are actions, or really this offer of these actions It's not an offer from a generous heart because he's a changed man. These actions are the fruit of fear. And I think so much of what we look on in the church with congratulatory remarks and pats on the back and offers of positions of leadership, because after all, look at the fruit. It's not fruit of a changed life in in relationship with Jesus, but they're actions that are required because of the fear that God is less than pleased with us. And if I don't do it, he won't be pleased. But that's not true. In Christ, God is pleased. Christ in us, us in Christ, the Holy Spirit in us. That's what, that's what brings us and keeps us in relationship with the Father. Jesus, Jesus' work. Well, doesn't Jesus' response tell us that he's pleased with Zach after giving up all his stuff? When Zacchaeus gives up all of his stuff, he says, look, today salvation has come to this house. Read the scripture. Does Jesus say salvation has come to this house because Zacchaeus realized his wrongs and he turned himself around and he made good on it and now I'll go to his house? No. Actually, Jesus never even acknowledges Zacchaeus' promise of giving everything away. Instead, he says salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. Jesus doesn't speak to Zacchaeus's offer at all. Instead, he speaks to Zacchaeus's identity. 
Salvation has come to this house because this man is a son of Abraham. A son of Abraham. The religious people called him a sinner. Jesus calls him a son. I'm not going to this man's house because he's doing all this stuff. I'm going to this man's house because he's a son of Abraham. And y'all need to know it. I came to seek and save the lost, not to push them further away. And I love to, to imagine how this scene happened. It's, it's so dramatic. I'd love to see it played out in a movie somehow. Put the scripture back up there, Luke 19. And Jesus said to him, who's him? Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus just told Jesus, I'm going to give all my stuff, I'll give half my stuff away, and I will give four times the amount of anything I ever cheated anybody, okay? And Jesus said to him, so he's talking to Zacchaeus, he's looking at Zacchaeus, he's making eye contact with Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. Now wait a minute. He says to Zacchaeus, so he's looking at Zacchaeus and he says, today salvation has come to this house because he doesn't say you, he says he. So he's locking eyes with Zacchaeus. He's addressing Zacchaeus, but he wants everybody else to know this man is a son of Abraham. This man right here is a son of Abraham. I didn't ask to be in his presence and to be at his house because he lacked sin. I asked to be at his house because he's a son. It's a question of identity. And he wants everybody to know it. So here's my two points for today. It's a sermon and they tell me I have to have points. Number one, receive the Lord joyfully. Look at what he has done for you. You have been invited. You have been included. You have been welcomed. Receive the gift of God. It is a gift. The wages, what the earnings of sin is, is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Receive it. It's a gift. You don't get it because you deserve it. You get it because he wants you to have it. Receive it. Accept it, believe it, embrace it, revel in it. He's done something for you. He's done something in you. You're a new creation. You're a son or a daughter. Come down out of that tree in a hurry and receive him with joy. Receive the Lord joyfully. Number two, don't listen to the grumblers. If you're in Christ... You're not a sinner anymore. He changed that. He's given you a new nature. That's not your identity. Christ is your identity now. He didn't choose you because, he, because you were sinless. He's not gonna leave you because you still got issues. What he's gonna do is he's gonna mature you in relationship with him as you walk in the joy of your salvation. You wanna give half of your stuff away? Great, give half of your stuff away. But don't do it because you're afraid that the presence of God will leave you or that he'll be less than happy with you if you don't. Don't do it because you're trying to convince others that you're a changed person. Don't do it because the grumblers say real Christians X, Y, and Z. Don't do it because somebody else tells you about a religious tradition that you didn't know about. Do it because you're motivated by the Holy Spirit. 
who lives within you and is prompting you with your new and generous heart. Don't listen to the grumblers who would convince you that your relationship with God is about anything other than him wanting to walk and to talk and to be with you. That's what he wants. That's what was worth the cost of his life, you. What Zacchaeus said he would do seemed good, right? Being generous, making up for his wrongs, but it wasn't. It had the appearance of godliness, but denied the power of actual godliness because what he was doing was believing that he had to do something to convince Jesus to like him, to be with him, to love him. And that's the real danger of religion, understanding that God needs to be convinced to love you or believing that he needs to be convinced to look favorably upon you or to stay with you or he needs you to do something for him so that he'll be convinced to forgive you just one more time or to like you more or to come closer to you. That's not the gospel. The good news is that Jesus Christ closed the gap between you and him. When you say yes, he's given you a new nature, he gives you a new heart, and you enter into a lifelong, that's eternal, lifelong relationship with the king of the universe, and he likes you because it's Christ in you and you in Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that he's already done it all. And any effort on your part just muddies the water for you and other people. Receive the Lord joyfully and don't listen to the grumblers. I think that's my new slogan. Receive the Lord joyfully and don't listen to the grumblers. 2 Timothy 2.23 says, Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that that breeds quarrels. If you got to get off social media, if you got to get off Facebook, because that's where you get the influx, get off of it. Right? You don't need it. Don't get into the arguments. Just say, I understand. Jesus loves you. Let it be done. Right? I believe so much in the incredible work of God in the lives of individual people that I don't want anybody to be motivated by guilt, ever. I don't want anybody to ever be motivated by, I think I should, I have to, I ought to. No. That's denying the power of godliness. That's denying the power of God in your life to, to be motivated by the grumblers who say, you know what you should do? You should because blah, 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 right? No, you're walking with Jesus. You're in relationship with him because he initiated the relationship, right? He came down, he did it. Why? Because you're worth it and he wants to walk with you and talk with you for the rest of eternity. And all you gotta do, you gotta accept the gift and then walk in it, accept the gift and recognize what he's done in you. Recognize who you are. Recognize what your new nature is. 
You have the nature of Christ now. You don't have the nature of Adam. You have the nature of the second Adam. That's Jesus Christ. You were pulled from Adam and put into Christ when you said, yes, Lord. Amen? Worship team, come on back up. Let's sing a few more songs. I'm gonna pray as they come up. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Lord, thank you for your gift that you have given. A gift of eternal life, walking with you. A gift of understanding that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ any longer. That there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. God, would you push back the voices of religion. Push back the voices that say, yeah, but you got to. And God, give us the courage to walk in the freedom of our new heart. Yeah, we had an old wicked heart, but you put a new one in us. You replaced our heart of stone with a heart of flesh. You wrote those laws on our hearts, not so that we could follow laws to the letter, but so that we could walk in freedom of relationship with you, believing that we're motivated by a new heart. God, we don't always do it. Our behaviors don't always line up with who you are and what you've done in us. But when we walk with who we are in you, and there's nothing that can separate us. There's nothing that can separate us from your love. Lord, we just want to focus on you right now. We offer you our hearts. We know you have them, but we're just saying, Lord, we're yours. We're yours. We belong to you. The enemy can't take that away. We belong to you. We're your sons. We're your daughters. Because of Jesus, we belong to you. We love you, Lord. Amen.